title of tonight is our theme, Rooted in Love. Get your pen out. I feel like the Lord wants to take us like little empty cups. And we live in a crazy, busy, oh my goodness, how did people get so mean world? Is that true? Like, where's the love? Really, where is the love? And as I introduced Denise to come up and share with us, I felt like I, I just needed to read 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, which says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be just like him. Someone's got to say glory to God. Glory to God. That's going to be awesome. Why is this a great introduction for Denise? I have known Denise for 29 years. When I met her, she was like a baby. You must have been 20, but you just looked, you looked so little and so, so adorable. She was probably the most, one of the most adorable faces I've ever seen. So sweet. And, and truthfully, I, I thought this girl is, has seen no tragedy, no hardship, no loss in her adorable little life. But you know what? Sometimes that's where sweetness comes. And very young in her life, she came to know the father, and she became childlike to him. And I've watched her grow up. I've watched her grow up. And it's been a joy. I'm so proud of her. Um, So proud of her. And, And I was at a church in Alaska last Sunday, and the pastor introduced the women's ministry leader in that church, and she said, that little gal, she stood up and she said, you know what women's ministry is? A church without a women's ministry is like a home without a mother. (laughs) Oh, oh, well, you tell them. And that's true. A godly woman, it, it makes a big impact, and I'm speaking to all of you. And in our church home at Calvary Vista, Denise is our mama now. And I'm going to call her up. And then um, someone very precious to our church family is Anna Jones. And she was with our church for many years. And she was like a mama in our church. Now she's like a grandmama. (laughs) And it's her privilege now to pray for our Denise as she uh, prepares to share her heart on love. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving for this chance to be here, Lord, and to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my sister, who has so many years taught me so many things, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, you would speak through her and give her that message of love that we all need to hear and adhere to, Lord. I thank you for her, Lord, as you continue to bless her in the ministry 
and continue to give her that wisdom and direction that you have always watched over her and guided her through the years. I thank you for this chance to be here and to pray for her, Lord. And thank you for allowing me to have this privilege. I lift her up to you, Lord, and I thank you for this time for all of us to be here and hear your word through her. I ask you these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, ladies. This is fun stuff, huh? How was dinner? Good. Can you see enough to take notes? Oh. Hey, let there be light. I want you awake. All right. Okay, well, we have a lot of road to travel, and um, so we are going to get started. Um, Gosh, what a great theme, right? I mean, just rooted in love. And, and, and we're going to cover so much territory this weekend. You're going to love Brenda. You're going to just fall in love with her tomorrow as she teaches. I'm excited about that. Um, but tonight, what better place to start our retreat than talking about and focusing our hearts and our minds on the love of God, which truly is the foundation of our faith. Amen. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. I'm not going to get situated. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to pick it up in verse 14. And this Ephesians is such a rich book to be in, and um, so amazing, so many treasures in it, but, but we're going to focus in on a prayer that Paul had for us in verse 14, Ephesians three fourteen. for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ, that he may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width and the length and the depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And we're going to stop there. What an amazing prayer. You know, for many Many, many people, the love of God is just a beautiful fiction. It's just one of those fantasy love stories. They've imagined it, but it's not a reality to them. Or like children who um, grow up hearing the fairy tales from their mom um, as she reads them their bedtime stories, hearing about the God and hearing about love, but they're really not convinced of it because Really, it's because they have their own ideas of how their story should read, right? I think we all do. We have this, this idea of, of what it should look like. And, and if, in fact, God is love, um, then they don't... If, in fact, God is love, um, then their story should end perfectly. 
and the way that they imagine it and dream of it. But that's not the fairy tale story ending. The number one way that most unbelievers will challenge us when we're trying to share our faith with them, when we're trying to tell them about that God loves them, is that they will challenge us by saying, well, if God is a God of love, then why? Right? How many of you have experienced that? If God is a God of love, then why is there suffering in the world? And why does he allow death? And why does he send people to hell? And why is there suffering? You know, I was 18 and attending Bible college, actually up in Twin Peaks, California, when I finally met my birth father for the first time. He and my mom, they had divorced when I was two years old, and so, um, and he was out of the picture, so I don't have any memories of him. And then when my mom remarried, um, um, my birth father gave me and my sister up for adoption to my stepfather. And so we took on his name. I have such trouble with my glasses and reading. I'm going to try and do it without this, because you're all a blur, and I don't want you to be a blur. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, so it's interesting. My name, this is kind of funny, my name went from Shetler to Shelton. <laughs> like, go figure, right? So, like, almost exactly the same. And now it's Salvado, so, you know, I got to keep my initials all through all of that, which is pretty amazing. But, um, anyways. But while I was at Bible college and while I was growing in my understanding and knowledge of God's love, the Lord really began softening my heart about my birth father and putting this burden on me for his salvation and um, courage and boldness to reach out. And I knew where he lived because my sister, who's two years older than me, um, she went searching for him when, when she was 18. And, and lo and behold, he lived in Ontario, which is right down the mountain, you know, from Bible College in Twin Beaks. So I finally got up the courage to contact him. I drove down the mountain. I knocked on the door, and I met my father. You can imagine, very emotional, very difficult, and I look a lot like him. Um, But that evening, he took me out to dinner. We're trying to get to know one another. Of course, he starts asking me questions, and so I'm like, oh, here's my opportunity. And, you know, I'm trying to share with him about just what had happened in my life and how I got saved and gave my life to the Lord. And I could tell he was really uncomfortable. And he listened, and then I just remember when he just stared me, you know, just straight in the eyes with just this cold kind of attitude. And he said, well, if God is a God of love, then why? Why is there pain? He went on with all the whys, whys, whys. And, and, you know, it was like in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a Bible college student. Like, here's my opportunity. Like, I have the head knowledge. You know, I'm going to have the answers. And I'm trying to share the answers with him. Um, but he's so resistant and he's so hard. And then the more I've got to know my father, you know, he had a lot of pain in his life. And it really began... When he was at a young age, and his mom died of cancer, and from that moment on, you know, he just was so angry at God and why, and then everything else in his life, and all the regrets, and all the bad choices, and and sadly, he was blaming God like so many around us do, where they listen to the lie of the enemy that distorts truth about a perfect God, and they end up angry and mad and resisting 
the love of God. And the assumption is, really the root of the matter, is that if God is love, my life should be perfect. He should fix the mess. You know, the interesting thing is that if they would actually receive the love of Christ and then, they, and then like, read the story, read the end of the story, right? <laughs> they would discover that there really is coming a day in the future, a day that's coming when everything will be made perfect and will be made complete. He's going to make all things new. It's not fiction. It's fact. But right now, girls, right now, God is far more concerned about perfecting us. He's far more concerned about transforming us into the image of his son. He's far more interested in empowering us to live this life. And it's all in preparation for our future, for another world, for another kingdom. And we have to take hold of this truth that gives us so much hope in the messy world that we live in. Satan is good at distorting truth and deceiving hearts. And ladies, our lives must be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Because the reality is, even as Christian women, we can lose our bearings, can't we? There are times in our life, in our Christian faith, when we feel unstable. Our thinking is unstable, We've been, like, blown over by the storms of this life. And we're, like, way bent. (laughs) And it's like, you know, we're hanging in those little roots. We're just clinging on. That's how we feel at times. That's the reality. And there's times when we question, Lord, are you really, really the refuge in the storm? Because I'm not feeling like it. And then what about the times when we're just in that desert time and the, the intense heat of trials is pounding down on us? And, and we begin to doubt, Lord, you say you're the shelter, that you're my hiding place, that you're the sh- I can go under the shadow of your wing, but I'm dying out here. And when we're suffering and we feel like we can't go on, we we begin to entertain these thoughts that, gosh, maybe the Lord doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't love me. And, oh, that's right where Satan wants us. And there's this subtle shift that begins to happen under our feet in that ground that does not feel as secure. But, ladies, God's love is real, and we cannot base it on our feelings or our circumstances. We have to base it on faith. We have to base it on who he says he is. We've got to meditate on it and understand it. So look again at verse 18. That Paul's saying here that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what's the width and the length and the depth and the height. God's love is dimensional. What a great, fascinating thing to think about. It has width. There's a measurement from side to side. It has length, the extent of something from end to end. It has height, the measurement from the bottom to the top. And then it has depth, depth, the distance from from the top of the surface down. 
So in other words, his love is wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep. Now, of course, it is impossible to measure God's love or calculate it by our measuring standards. We can't get out the measuring tape and measure it up. But God's love, it's infinite, it's endless, it's limitless. So why and how can we comprehend what is beyond comprehension? Like, why and how is Paul praying for us to know what is beyond knowledge? Well, really, it's really, really simple. And the answer, and we've already alluded to it through the worship tonight, um, it's abiding. In 1 John 4.15, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in her, and she in God. And we have known and we have believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and she who abides in love abides in God, and God in her. And it goes on to say a couple verses down that God's love is actually being perfected in us. So how can we know it? It's not going to be just here, head knowledge. It has to be Heart knowledge, and that's the point. He's like, it is about experience. It's about relationship with me. God is in you. You are in God. And the more that we grow in that personal relationship with God, the more acquainted and familiar we're going to become with him and to understand and comprehend his great love for us. So when we begin to understand more fully We're going to know and understand that the love of Jesus is wide. You know, when my kids were small and little, there was this thing that I always would do with them. I would would pull one over. Amanda's here. My my baby's here. Where are you, Amanda? She probably remembers this because I did it all the time. I'd sit him down, and I'd say, Does Mommy love you this much? And they'd say, No. Does mommy love you this much? No. Does mommy love you this much? No. And then I'd say, does mommy love you this much? And they'd be, yeah. And I'd put my arms around them and embrace them and kiss them all over and tell them I loved them this much. I didn't want them to only hear me say I love them. I wanted them to feel my embrace around them. Now, was this really the extent of my love for Amanda? No, not at all. It's not the span of my arm's length here. No, there's no way to measure my love for Amanda. But it was a visual way to show her, to express all of me. I love you with all of me. And that is what our Heavenly Father wants you to know about his great love. It's the measure of his fullness. It's the extent of him. It's his all. And God the Father showed us that when he gave us his son who opened up his arms wide on the cross of Calvary for us. That's how much he loved us, but way far beyond the extent of Christ's arms nailed to a cross. God says, I love the entire world. I have got the whole world in my hands. Sing that with me. He's got the whole world in his hands. 
got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Amen. So not only is it wide, but the love of God is long. How long? It goes on and on and on. And faith, thank you for the worship that just set our hearts and prepared the soil. It goes on and on and on and on. In the Greek language, it, it really like shadows the greatness of God. And it, and it um, refers to like the great length he went to to lavish his love upon us. And it speaks really of the blessing of God. And that's how Ephesians starts out. So I want you to back up a page here and go to chapter 1 of Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to be the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. This is good stuff, girls. This is really, really good stuff. You have been adopted. You've been accepted by the beloved. Now you're found holy and blameless before God. Wow. (laughs) And did you catch the last part? That all of this is found in love. It's in love. And it's in the beloved. So the length that God went to in order to bless us really is astounding you know, as a parent, I go to great lengths to bless my children. Great lengths. There's a lot of sacrifice, right, to bless our children. It's a sacrifice of, of our own lives, of our time, of our resources, of our money, of our sleep. <laughs> but I don't do it because I have to. I do it because... I want to. It's fun to bless them. It brings joy and satisfaction to my heart. And you know what? They're all out of the house now and grown up, and it doesn't change a thing, right? For all of you who have your adult children now, when you get the opportunity to bless them, you want to bless them. We were on our way to take Aaron and Rob to the airport a few days ago. Brooklyn and I, um, they're they're, um, in, where are they? They're in New Zealand. Thank you. Uh, but it was so funny because we parked the car, and my son, and those of you know him, he's just the sweetest, gracious, most loving son in the world. I'm sorry. He is. He wins the prize. But he kind of pulls me aside, and he's like, two checks? You know, like he's checking. Like, you know, are we paying separately? And I, well, I bet you he was thinking, you know, I need to know because that'll help determine what I order off the menu if my dad's paying or if I'm paying, right? <laughs> uh, but he was graciously, you know, just checking with that because he didn't want to expect that, you know, and, and I appreciated that. And, um, and, of course, we gladly paid the check. 
Well, throughout the book of Ephesians, it talks about all of these spiritual blessings from our Heavenly Father that are now ours in Christ. And we don't have time to read them all tonight, but I would encourage you to take time this week to do that. But let me just list a few for you, just in case you came here doubting that God loves you. In him, we have. When you search on your own, that's the phrase you want to look for. We have. We have. Underline that. In him, we have. Here's a few things that you ladies have tonight. You have redemption through his blood. You have forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. You have an inheritance. That just blows my mind. We have an inheritance in Christ. We have the seal of his Holy Spirit of promise upon us. We have been made alive. We have peace. We have access to the Father. We are members of the family of God. And we have boldness, and it says, an access with confidence through faith in him to come. Access with confidence through faith in him to come. There is no end to the blessings that we could talk about and go on and on and on about tonight. God has promised to love us with an everlasting love. Now, for some of you, when you hear that, it makes you uncomfortable. There's probably some of you, you kind of even cringe inside when you hear that because you're not really sure you believe it. You know, you have had other people in your life that have told you that they love you and that maybe one time you loved them and it didn't last. You know, we hear all the time, you're my BFF. Really? Really, girls? Really? We just throw that around so easily. But seriously, how many of you have stayed true to a best friend. Just saying. Talking to myself. Or a boyfriend who made some promise that he's going to love you and he's going to marry you and he gives you the promise ring and then he breaks up with you. (laughs) Or you break up with him. I was the heartbreaker. (laughs) Or... This is a serious one, or maybe a family member who you have conflict with, and it has gotten so bad that now you are completely not even talking to one another. You're completely estranged from your own flesh and blood, your own family. You don't talk to them. I'm not going to deal with it. Just push it aside. (laughs) And for some of you... You stood on a wedding day, on your wedding day, and you took vows that you would love forever, but for various reasons, a multitude of reasons, maybe you're sitting here tonight and that love is damaged, or you don't feel in love anymore. I mean, you are just holding on to your marriage. And then there's others in here, no doubt, that you know the, the actual um, experience of divorce, of a broken love, a love that has failed. How many of you in this room have been Im- impacted by a divorce in your family, whether it's yourself, your parents, your grandparents, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, or a cousin? Raise your hand. Look around you. 
Look, human love fails. Our love is limited. Our love is imperfect. And try as we may, apart from the grace of God and the love of God poured into us in our flesh, we fail. You know, as Christian women, we're called to love one another, and we're going to talk a little more about this in a few minutes. But even on our best day, our love is not perfect, right? Am I the only one? On my best day, (laughs) it's not perfect. So we cannot compare God's love to ours because he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never, ever fail us. And his mercies endure forever. His mercy endures forever. Now, when you hear the word mercy, probably most of us in this room, we think about a definition that we've been taught um, all the time. And that is, is that mercy is not getting the judgment we deserve, right? How many have heard that? Okay, true fact. Completely displayed on the cross of Calvary, the mercy of God, his pity upon us, that he didn't give us the judgment of death that we deserved. But ladies, it's important that we not view mercy through the lens of us, because I think that's what we can do at times. And then we limit the mercy of God. We're thinking, oh, the mercy of God, oh, my failure, my stupidity, my sin, oh, I deserve punishment. And we're like, Lord, please, please, please have mercy. Like our kids say to us, don't spank me, please. But instead, we need to view mercy through the lens of God's character. For when you read verses that are all over the word, like the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting, or oh, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever, do you know how that word is translated? It's goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness. It's love. It's love. So you'll find a lot of times in your Bible translations that the the word mercy isn't there, and they translate it, his faithful love endures forever, or his steadfast love endures forever, or his good and loyal love endures forever. When Charles Spurgeon was speaking about the length of God's love, he said, it is so long that your old age cannot wear it out. Amen, hallelujah, right? Hope there. He says, it's also so long your continual tribulation cannot exhaust it, and your successive temptations shall not drain it. Like eternity itself, it knows no bounds. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. For he is good, he is above all things. When we give praise. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. So his love is wide, it's long, and the love of God has depth. You know, when we, when we, um, when something is deep, it's dark. 
pretty much when you think about it. The depths of the ocean, it's deep and it's dark, right? If you go into a deep cavern, have you ever been to, into a caves? Like I remember going to the Oregon Caves, and, and you go down and literally you get to a place so deep down in that cavern that when they turn the flashlight off, you cannot see anything in front of you. It's completely dark down there. Spiritually speaking, darkness is what every lost sinner sits in. That's what the word tells us. And sadly, where every person who rejects the salvation of Jesus will ultimately spend eternity. It's called the depths of hell, and it's utter darkness. Metaphorically speaking, we often say phrases like, I am in deep trouble. When you hear that, you know someone's in Deep trouble, right? It's not good. Or when someone tells you, I'm in the depths of despair, that's not a good place. Those are dark places that we can go through. Dark, dark places. I'm in contact with a friend. Um, Actually, we were BFFs in high school. And we lost contact. We went on with life. And I was walking strong with the Lord, and she was flailing. She was having trouble, and I would hear of these different crises in her life and these different things that would happen. Well, one good thing about Facebook, it's got me back in touch with her. And she has really reached out the last couple years to me and um, in private messages. And she's battling cancer And she is in torment, complete torment. She said, Denise, I can't sleep at night. I have nightmares. I'm so afraid that when I close my eyes and die, I don't know where I'm going to be. She got saved in high school. I took her to a summer camp, a youth camp. She got saved. She knows the Lord, but she's lost her way, and her roots were not deep. And she's literally tormented, and I've just been pouring into her and sharing truth, but she's just still like, she's like, I don't know. Like, now I don't even think the Bible is true. Like, it's all for man, and she likes knowledge and reading, and she's so messed up, so messed up from from, from where she started and needs to get back to. So anyways, long story short, pray for me because I'm going to see her um, this week because the doctors have told her now it's literally everywhere in her body and she's probably going to go to hospice soon and she's going to die and I can't... I can't bear to think that she doesn't have her faith in Christ and have confidence that when she dies, she'll be with him. So pray for her. Pray that the veil would be ripped and the deception and that I can speak truth and that she'll receive it. (sighs) She needs Jesus. You know, there are places so deep in our heart and in our mind at times, that other people really can't see into it, right? And the truth is, we can't even see into it. It's just pretty dark in there at times. 
But God can see. God's love can reach into the depths of every dark place on earth and in you and in your heart and in your mind. There's no pit too deep that the love of God cannot reach into and rescue you. You know, long ago when sailors would be out at sea and they're exploring and, and they have no idea the depths of the ocean that they were going to go into, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd pile on ropes onto the, onto the ship and they'd sail out and then they'd go out into it and, and they'd let down that first um, line to see how deep. And I probably had some kind of anchor or something on the end and, and you know, they'd call out, nope. Deeper still, and they throw out another line. <laughs> nope, and that would go down, and it wouldn't touch the bottom. And nope, deeper still. And there's some parts of the ocean, they're just deeper still. But God's love is completely deeper still. There is no bottom found in it. In fact, God's love runs so deep that Jesus left heaven, and he came down to earth below. He humbled himself he took on a lowly state. He died a criminal's death on a, cre- on a cross to reach the lowest sinner. He went to the depths for you and I. And ladies, the day he hung on that cross, that was literally a dark day, wasn't it? It says that God literally brought complete darkness upon the earth. Can you imagine Boy, you think he was talking to everybody in that moment? Black everywhere. And then if that were not enough, when they took him down off the cross, they buried him in a dark tomb. When you roll that stone over that tomb, it is utter, complete darkness. Ladies, God's love goes deep, and he has rescued you from the depths of death. It reaches into the deepest pit and finds you. It searches those hidden things and those secret things and those things in your heart and your doubts and your fears, all of that. He can cover you in his love and when you're in those times of despair and depression and fear that can come upon us. Don't ever doubt that his love cannot reach you wherever you're at. Psalm 139, you're all familiar with it. I'm going to read a portion out of the at the Living Bible Translation. So just listen to this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit or stand, when far away, you know my every thought. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. You know that I'm going to, what I'm going to say before I even say it. You both proceed and follow me and place your hand of blessing on my head. This is too glorious. It's just too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to your spirit. I can never get away from my God. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the morning winds to the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me for even darkness cannot hide from God to you the night shines as bright as day darkness and light are both alike to you that should bring you such comfort and strength 
how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. So it's wide, it's long, it's deep, and the love of Jesus is high. As a matter of fact, the name of God is the God Most High, right? That's one of his names. He lifts our hearts with hope through his love. He lifts our eyes to heaven, trying to get us always to look up and be heavenly-minded and understand that this is not our home. I love, um, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verses 4 through 6, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Positionally, ladies, and I don't fully understand it, and you probably don't either, but positionally, we are already seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Wow, (laughs) that's exciting. So take hope in it. Take hope in that. And girls, look at the cross, because if you think about a cross, it points in all the directions, right? It, it, it's wide, it's long, it's high, it's deep. That's literally the cross. The cross of Christ is wide enough to include every person. It's long enough to last through all eternity. It's deep enough to reach the worst sinner, and it's high enough to take us to heaven. I have to back up in that story with Michelle because here's my point. Oh, I didn't want to say her name. My friend. Here's my point in that when I talked about how she was like tormented. We know the answer, right? Because what does scripture say? Perfect love casts out fear. But fear, and I should turn to it. Somebody read it out loud, that scripture right there about torment. Does anybody have it, James? I didn't write it down. James. Okay, this is like the Bible thing. Who's got it first? Who knows that scripture? Perfect love casts out fear. Find it. Who has it? Come on, James, somebody. Okay, stand up, my dear sweet sister, and I want you to read it, the whole part there that talks about torment. Can you read it really loud? Amen. Amen. Oh. Oh, there we go. See? What do I know? First John what? 418, sorry. Okay, so I had to bring closure to that thought because what she needs is the perfect love of God. She needs to be perfected in that just like we do too. Okay, so notice also if we go back to our text, Ephesians chapter 3, when Paul's praying for us, he says that we would comprehend the, the love of God with all the saints. So we actually come to better, fuller understand God's love through one another, through church, through community, when we're all sitting here together hearing the word of God, when we're all corporately worshiping the Lord, which is, a, which is an expression of, of love to him, um, when we're fellowshipping with one another and talking about what we're reading in the word and what God's doing in our life, that actually helps us to comprehend the love of God. So you get to play a part in helping your friends and your sisters in Christ 
grow in the love of God. And more than that, it's in our relationship with one another when we experience firsthand the love of another being, right? I mean, when, when you experience somebody else loving you with agape love, with God's love, wow, and you see Jesus in them. So it's helping you comprehend the love of God when a believer cares about you and helps you or holds you and lets you cry or forgives you or has the practical hands and feet to come alongside you. Ladies, we are to together grow in this love, together be rooted and grounded in it. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 this is beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then it goes on to say in verse 9, if we love one another, then God abides in us, and his love has been made perfected in us. There's that word again, perfected. We could sing that. Do you guys remember that song? I shouldn't get off on singing, but who, who knew that growing up? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And this is old time, old school church. <laughs> no, it's not God, for God is love. God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. So in a nutshell, in a nutshell, not only are we to know the love of God, but we need to be an extension of the love of God to one another. You need a lifestyle of love. I need a lifestyle of love. It's the greatest commandment. We can't ignore it. Love God and love one another. Love God and love one another. But, but I, I love God, but I don't want to love one another. It's hard sometimes, right? I mean, a lot of times it's fun and it's easy, but it also can be really, really hard. Really, really hard. (laughs) Easy? No, not always. Sacrificial? Yes, always. Possible? Yes, in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit that Paul talked about at the beginning of this prayer. So my question tonight is this. Are you struggling to love people? Now, I'm not talking, you know, when you evaluate this, do, I, do you have a lifestyle of love? For the most part, are you walking in agape love? Are you just a hater? <laughs> if you're a hater, you have a problem. You need to come down and get saved. <laughs> you can't love God and hate people. Now, 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 <clears throat> does that mean we never struggle with a person? That there's not an unlovable in our life? How many have an unlovable in your life? Someone that no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to love them or they can't seem to love you. Do you maybe have a hatred in your heart towards someone? Well, then it's time that we get to the root of the matter. The root of the matter. Because we are really good at denying our own issues. 
I am really good at it. I am so blind to my own problems. So blind. And we're good at burying them down deep into the soil. Like, you know, so nobody sees it. Plants a few flowers over it, and it all looks good. But God sees it, right? And when that bad root's in there, eventually it's going to damage the tree. It's going to bring unhealthy fruit out of our lives. So at some point, girls, we have to decide to allow the Spirit of God to dig down deep around the hidden roots. Amen? We have to let him dig down and expose the hidden root to take the sharp trawl of the Word of God and dig up and speak truth into our lives and break up the hard, fallow ground in us and and expose the root of the matter. But here's the deal. He's faithful to do that all the time, but then we have to uproot it when it's exposed. You see, we are fooling ourselves if we think that it's all up to God, that he just needs to fix the problem, and he needs to fix that person and change them or take away the pain, and we cry out, Lord, help, 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 and the Holy Spirit, who is the helper, right, that is his name, he says, great, I'm here. We're good. Let's do this. But notice, he's called the helper, not the doer. Let's do this. You know, if I were, if, if I were in the middle of a huge, let's say, house project, <laughs> and I was completely overwhelmed and stressed out and tired, And one of my sweet friends stopped by, and they say, how can I help? Let me help you. I would say, really? Like, really? Yes! I love you. Yes, 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 yes. Help me. You're amazing. You're my BFF. Here's the paint. Here's the paintbrush. Here's the rollers. Here's the toolbox. Here's a glass of water. And then I grab my beach chair and my hat. And I'm like, just lock the door after yourself. I love you. Bye, helper. You know, like, really? What kind of relationship would that be, right? I wouldn't do that to my friend. So why do we do that with the Lord, right? We do it all the time. We hear a message and we're convicted, We're having our devotions, and he's exposing us, and we're like, oh, yes, I see it. I need to change, Lord. I want to change. Help me, Lord. I really want to do this, and we have great intentions. Lord, help me. Empower me. And he's right there. He's like, okay, I'm here to help. Let's do this. Oh, but then we let fear grip us, don't we? All the what-ifs to make myself vulnerable, and to reach out and deal with that issue, especially when it's with other people. (laughs) Or we push the rewind button a zillion times of how they hurt me, and we just sink back into, we just, you know, we just hide behind it all. Okay, I'm going to deal with that later. (laughs) Or we're just distracted and procrastinate. So we're like, Lord, thank you for coming to help. So, but now I got to go. We'll deal with that later. Can you just fix it? Can you just fix it? 
Just change me. Change me, Lord. Transform me. Look, true love means action. We have got to participate in this. Okay? We, just, we have to participate. God is your helper, but you have got to participate. We have to take action. And you know, I'm speaking out of experience because I'm standing up here today completely in disobedience to the Lord in an area with a person that I have struggled with where I cannot tell you the amount of times where I was so compelled that I am going to write her a note. I'm too afraid to meet her face to face. I'm going to write her a note. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to do this. And I'm weeping, and I'm crying before the Lord. Yes, I'm going to. Lord, help me. I'm going to do this. Have I done it? No. Am I convicted? Yes. I'm praying this will be the weekend. Because <laughs> now I'm accountable to all of you, right? So i got to do it. Ladies, take hold of the rotten, ugly roots with both hands, and then ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and then together uproot it, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you were to go down to the beach and stand at the edge of the water of this vast ocean, and you had in your hand this, this pint jar, and you plunged it down into the water, well, in an instant, that little jar is going to be filled with the fullness of the ocean, right? down, fill it up. It's filled with the fullness of the ocean. But you can never put the fullness of the ocean into that jar. God is infinite. He is vast. His love is deep and wide and long and high. And he calls to you and I to come and dip the tiny little vessel of our lives and plunge it down into the oceans of his love. And in that instant, we will be full of his fullness. Amen? Amen. We need the fullness of God. And the beauty of it, too, is the more we grow and we expand and we surrender, the, the bigger the plunge and the more full we become with the love of God. In closing tonight, do you want to be immovable? Do you want to be unshakable? (laughs) Then let your roots go down deep. Do you want to be like a tree planted by the streams of living water? What? (laughs) Then make it your prayer. Make it your prayer. Plant yourself near the streams of the living water of God. Bask in the fullness of his love. And God gave me this verse, and I know it's for one person for sure, maybe a few of you in this room. This is such a beautiful verse of hope. It's found in Job chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Job 14, 7 and 8. Because maybe you just, you're like, you know what, I am dried up. I am dying. There is no fruit on the tree. There are no leaves. Well, here is the scripture, the word for someone in this room. It says, for there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet, and here it is, 
yet at the scent of water it will bud. At the scent of water it will bud, and it will bring forth branches like a plant. You know the fragrance after a great rain? You may feel dried up, dead, fruitless. But here's your hope, and here's your word from the Lord. At the scent of water, you you will bring forth fruit. You will bud. Your branches will produce. So if you're here tonight and you're struggling with doubts about the love of God, full of fear, maybe some of you torment, you're struggling with your relationship with him, with other people, because we get so stuck in that. I do really great with just me and God. (laughs) It's you. It's me. I get stuck. We listen to the lies of the enemy because our life isn't perfect. Lord, why, why, why? If you're really a God of love, why, why, why? And Satan just has you spinning in this total deceit. Look to God who is perfect. Be confident in his promises. His scent, his fragrance is here. Breathe it in. And you will bud. You will spring forth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your great love. Lord, we are astounded at the depth and the height and the width and the length of your love for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Lord, help us to take hold and grasp these truths and live them out in our lives, not living based on our feelings and our frustrations and our failures, but living by faith, deeply rooted in your word and who you are. And Lord, I pray for every woman in this room, Lord, that if they're struggling and doubting your love, that you would meet them right now. And your Holy Spirit would fall upon them and minister to them. And for any of us who are struggling with other people, whether family members or in a marriage or with our children or people in the body of Christ or people just out in the world, Lord, we want to be exposed. We want to take time to let you expose us and minister truth to us. Lord, you are a merciful God. Your mercy endures forever. And so, Lord, convict us this weekend. Show us, reveal to us the things that you want to change in us. And then, Lord, may we not be women that go, yes, 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 I'm going to do it. Yes, change me, Lord. But then we don't participate. We don't take action Forgive us, Lord, for our rebellion. Forgive us for our stubbornness when we're stiff-necked and when we're fearful. 
Lord, do a work this evening. Lord, we want to just take a few minutes to bask in your love, to worship you, to pour out our hearts before you. So have your way, have your will be done in this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's